0: Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC CRC, and Pease, Minnesota, but unfortunately he wasn't able to be with us this week, but he will be with us next week. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination, and we realize that whenever Reformation happens, things get messy. And as Reformation is happening in the CRC, things are starting to get messy. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's happening in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, head on over to our website at the You'll find our podcast there, but you'll also find articles there on a regular basis. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Josh Christoffels. But either way, I just, I was like, I don't know very many people who are like, man, there's these really difficult things going on in the world. I better open the banner and try to figure out how to think through these things i think we're we're looking other places and that that saddens me because i think we have such a good history and and such solid resources and and obviously i think our theology is right on the money um we could we could really speak to some of these issues in a powerful way
1: yeah uh it, it you wonder if it's a chicken or an egg kind of thing too like is, is it because i i think it's because of what's on the ground too it's the divisions that we have uh, as churches and the the diversity that's there we're, which is not a good kind of diversity <laughs> uh so much uh away from the word of God and the scriptures and um so i think if if the banner was yeah uh, I think it'd be hard to it'd be they have a hard job that's for sure because they almost have to cater to everybody and yeah uh, people will complain if it's, uh, too confessional or biblical. So.
0: Yeah. So I I like to ask people this question because I think we're all feeling that, that as we interact with people in the pew, that, um, just even in the CRC, which has been known for being really biblically solid and faithful denomination, um, our members are increasingly becoming biblically illiterate. And, uh, and so how do, you, how do you think we got to where we're at right now as a denomination?
1: Hmm. One thing I'm learning in the uh, Charles Simeon Trust is that uh, they really care about getting back to discipleship and uh, teaching the, the Word of God and getting people to uh, read the word and uh, teach it, <laughs> and I think we did that in the CRC. We've we've done it pretty well, uh, but then you get into uh, sometimes these studies like coffee break and other materials that are put out. They're good materials. They they focus on the Bible, uh, but you have sometimes kind of this reader response thing where you go around the circle and you share about uh, your feeling of the text, but you don't have someone who's trained in the text who is uh, looking at the, the text and uh, what's the structure of the text how does that lead to the main point of the text and then uh, how do we apply this specifically to our lives um, one of the lectures I heard at Charles Simeon is uh, was a uh, a woman who came and talked about what she does with women's ministry uh, they go around the country doing workshops and training women and you know it's the tightest type of thing where you can teach women, teach other, other women. And I think for us uh, as complementarians, we have to be careful. We have to do it well. We have to um, teach uh, the Bible well and uh, do women's ministry well. And so why not have women teaching other women in, uh, in in training them better for uh, understanding the Bible itself and teaching the Bible instead of uh, teaching kind of your feeling about it. So. I think it's discipleship. I think it's it's caring uh, for what the word says and getting that out and teaching it in the in a biblical way.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100 percent and and even taking that, because um, I agree, I, I think discipleship is um, we dropped the ball on that and uh, and trying to recover it's really hard as well, but but even taking that, we need to be able to disciple our our leaders. Um, who are leading these these different ministries, and so because you can have you can have a really good leader who can even use really bad material and make it good, <laughs> you know, and you can have a bad teacher who can take really really good material and make it bad and make it you know water it down and, and make it useless. And I've I've watched both happen over the years, and uh, you know I, I've talked to a number of people. Um, there's lots of opinions out there on. Whether the the material coming out uh, for our Sunday school programs or coffee break, whether that's good solid material, and I say, really, what it comes down to is, who do you have teaching it? Because if you have someone solid teaching it, then they can take any kind of material. They, the material is just a guide, a conversation, you know, a topic. Like it just lays out. You're going to talk about this on this day, this on this day, and they can run off of that and make it really helpful and good, but. Um, but we need to disciple those who are doing the the discipling. And what I've found often is we can't find people to step into those roles. And so we just start throwing people into those roles who aren't who aren't uh gifted at it or or need to be discipled more before they're gonna be be teaching. And and then we just kind of keep slowly fading fading away down the line. Yeah,
1: I think part of that too is uh, making sure that we're focused on Christ and uh, preaching and teaching uh, the gospel. You know, every text of Scripture points to Jesus. Uh, you don't want to uh, artificially find Jesus from the text. You want to do it uh, organically from the text itself and how the New Testament writers have talked about uh, the Old Testament, for example, and how Christ comes out of the pages of Scripture. But um, I think in too many, uh, too many preaching too much preaching becomes, uh, moralistic if you don't have Jesus. And, mm-hmm. uh, the focus becomes, uh, just on, you know, you could teach this in a synagogue <laughs> if it was, uh, just in, in a moralistic way. So focus on Christ.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and here, so here's my conundrum that I've been having as I'm, uh, stepping into a congregation. I'm, I, my congregation is kind of a church revitalization situation. A, when i got there we had like 30 40 members and they had been struggling for about 15 years and and so we're kind of rebuilding up and rebuilding up leadership and and trying to disciple people but one of the difficulties that i'm having and a lot of pastors are having is we want to disciple people um but we're not being able to find anybody who's willing to commit to being discipled and so they you know it's hard so if you want to take somebody out for coffee they're busy or or if you want to hold a Bible study to try to help help people dive deeper into God's Word, uh, they're busy and don't show up, and so it's it's hard to disciple people when they're not wanting to be discipled too, and so that's kind of my conundrum I've been wrestling through. How do we how do we do that? Uh, the the only answer I've had so far is that it at least has to start with the pulpit. Um, we have to what, what the way that we're preaching has to be um, not just. Uh, not just hitting the emotions and and helping people, you know, hitting people in the field. It has to have a teaching aspect to it, where we're really truly discipling from the pulpit. And my hope is, my hope is, is that that'll start flowing over into a greater hunger for God's word and in their daily Bible reading, and also, um, and also desiring to dive deeper and and know more about how God's word applies to their their daily lives. But I know uh, throughout the centuries, uh, people have said that the pulpit's really the uh, the wheel that steers the ship of the church. And so um, I've been encouraging pastors, start there, preach sermons that are uh, have a discipleship focus in them as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing we have to not neglect in our preaching, especially, and from the pulpit, is evangelism. And so uh, a lot of times, uh, we don't put the call of the gospel out there, the, what, what you used to call the promiscuous, uh, pro, I can't even say the word, promiscuous uh, call of the gospel, right? You put it out there for uh, believers and unbelievers and uh, specifically uh, apply it and tell believers and unbelievers how they can uh, use this gospel message for their lives. And I think that's a great way to model evangelism for your congregation. Uh, we haven't always done that so well in the CRC. Uh, as far as evangelism, uh, we can be sometimes uh, focused on ourselves or historically been kind of, I don't know, the the, the ghetto. I don't want to <laughs> use that word really, but uh, people have not always uh, we struggle, and i I struggle too with how to do evangelism, but at least model it from the pulpit and say uh, maybe if you 're an unbeliever here 's how this can apply for to you and 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 come to christ
0: amen yeah and and I tell people this all the time, I try to remind myself, i mean we all need to hear the gospel right as Christians, we need to be reminded of the gospel over and over and over again, and so um and when i I, I try to encourage pastors in uh when they're preaching the gospel to make it kind of flow naturally in your sermon i've I've heard i heard one pastor once at a funeral um and it was okay because i knew i knew they're hard in it but but they had like here's seven steps to uh to handling your grief and then kind of like a hard stop awkward pause oh yeah believe in jesus or you're gonna go to hell kind of a thing and i was like no, actually believing in Jesus is the core of the seven steps to handling your grief. You know, it's not a separate thing. If you're going to actually grieve this in a helpful way, you need to trust in Jesus. You need to trust him at every every step of the way. And I was like, you missed such an opportunity for people to see that, that their faith in Christ is actually tied to every aspect of their lives. And so it really, uh, the gospel and, and our faith in Christ really should flow into and out of every message. And I think I, I do try quite often to give a call. I call our whole congregation to faith in Christ. So that, yeah, you believe in Christ now, but guess what? You still need to believe in him tomorrow when you get up and you have a bad day. So trust in Christ, turn from your sin, trust in Christ. That's, uh, that's a call to believers and non-believers over and over and, and over again.
1: Yeah, uh, One of the things we have to do in this next uh, coming uh, semester of courses in the, the course I'm taking is uh we're we're only preaching as if there's unbelievers in the room because we we have to preach to each other in the class and so that'll be really challenging i think yeah. if there's no if there's no believers only unbelievers you have to focus on on them uh any language you use theological language even uh the word sin uh, you have to describe what it means and what it is
0: yeah yeah i've had uh i've had two Major opportunities uh, to preach the gospel to primarily unchurched audiences, and both of them were uh, funerals of a suicide. And so we had one kid in our youth group um, committed suicide, and uh, and we had a thousand people show up for the funeral um, from the school, and most ninety percent of them were were nonbelievers. And uh, and then about three four years after that, we had another uh, young adult who had grown up in our youth ministry who committed suicide, and she was uh, a member of the LGBTQ community, which was tough. And she was also an addict, and so uh, we had at this ma- we had probably four five hundred people show up for her funeral as well, and primarily non believers. And yeah, how do you how do you faithfully preach the gospel? How do you faithfully show them that there's no comfort anywhere outside of Christ that you know that and uh but yet do it in a way that they can understand without getting into you know all of the nuts and bolts of everything it yeah it's a pretty I wrestled through those sermons quite a bit thinking all right I got to say I want to say this faithfully but I got to say it in a way that they understand it um as well so it yeah that's a tough tough deal but it's a it's a blessing as well it's a, it really is a blessing to have those opportunities to to preach the gospel when people are really, really looking for it and and needing it. What, so one of the things that we ask everybody too is, and we've kind of dove into this a little bit, but I want to give you an opportunity to speak to it directly is, uh, as you look across the Christian Reformed church right now, what are some of your uh, main concerns?
1: Yeah, I think just the, uh, we've kind of been talking about it, but like the marks of the true church, uh, sometimes seem to be uh, whittled away, so you think about like we were just talking about the preaching of the gospel um, one of the one of the parts of the Reformation that we hold to is just preaching the text and uh, in the Reformation, some of the pastors started preaching systematically through scriptures uh, week to week verse by verse uh, in a expository way and so uh, I think that a lot of CRC churches don't have that kind of preaching. They have topical preaching, uh, which, you know, has its place. But uh, that's one of the things that I think we just need to be word-focused and preach the Bible. Um, Think about the sacraments. Um, You know, there's ways that we're not practicing the sacraments as Scripture calls us to either, I believe. Um, We have... We hear stories of infant dedications instead of baptisms. Uh we see uh the Lord's Supper, children being allowed to take the Lord's Supper, uh, various uh ideas about that, various uh level of, of the elders and their specific way of uh, uh regulating the table and things like that. Uh you've you've got uh discipline, church discipline, you know, another mark of the church. And um I find it hard even in the local church, though, to do that, right? I mean, we, uh, we've talked about that. You've talked about that here before, but, um, you know, we we don't always do that well in a local setting uh, as far as uh, doing discipline and, and calling people to decide. It really is uh, tied to discipleship. Discipline and discipleship are tied together, and uh, we're called to uh, to really love people and shepherd them and care for them, and part of that is discipline. And um, I can't remember uh, the last time I heard of that happening in the CRC. Like, for example, a uh, a statement being read from a pulpit or something like that. I, I really can't remember that uh, in my childhood very much. Or uh, maybe there's one distant uh, circumstance of that happening. Well, why not? You know, um, I think we need to be doing better about. Uh, the, the marks of the church and so then you then you wonder is it a true church <laughs> um, yeah uh, it's in question I think in some ways in, in some areas um, but uh, yeah those are the things I think about I do, you know obviously we have the human sexuality report we've got uh, this uh, idea of ministers de- denying the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ uh, so you've got a lot of issues,
0: and um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think, uh, like you and I have been talking about, um, a lot of those issues, again, stem from lack of discipleship, right? And which discipleship naturally points toward actually every aspect of the true church, right? Discipleship, pure preaching of the word is discipleship. The pure administration of the sacraments is discipleship discipline is discipleship right and so when uh when we fail on on those levels then we get um all of this the the wackiness that happens that so we, we you know especially when we fail on on discipline i think actually all of them the reason we have pastors denying the penal substitutionary atonement of christ is because they obviously weren't discipled well and they're still here because we haven't disciplined them and uh uh which is which is crazy to me because that's at the the core foundation of the gospel and so um and yet as as we're talking um, i I've been thinking back you know part of the reason at the Reformation they said, i mean obviously it's biblical that these are the marks of the true church, um but these were the three areas that they saw a massive need for uh where where the Catholic Church was not faithful they weren't faithfully you know, administering the sacraments. They weren't faithfully preaching the word and they weren't faithfully disciplining. So the reformation was the pastor saying, we need to restore these things. That's why we're going to preach through scripture systematically verse by verse by verse, because people don't know the word of God and we're going to start discipling them slowly, but, but surely. And and people don't know how to follow Christ in their daily lives. And so we're going to, we're going to discipline them for that. And I know people almost cringe now when they hear about the way that they disciplined people back in like Geneva, they would call them in before the elders every Friday and have a disciplinary session with everybody. And, and I think, well, you know, maybe they they didn't do it the way we would do it. and Maybe they didn't even do it right. But they were at least trying. They were trying to figure out here's how we need to, to guide people in their walk with Christ, because they they aren't And, and our calling as shepherds is to lead the flock, right? And shepherds carry a rod and a staff. We, we guide people, we gently guide people, but not that pastors are known for this, but every once in a while, you need to crack somebody over the head with a staff and say, knock it off. Stop doing that. You know, this is not how we live as a Christian.
1: Yeah. One of my uh, areas that I've kind of been passionate about in the local church is training up the elders for that and doing that together with the pastors and elders. And, um, I think that's one of the areas that we struggle a bit with too. Is that training up those those elders to to be alongside of us to do that, um, um, being able to teach and being able to use that word of God in, as an example for others. And it's it's hard because you have uh, people that have very busy lives uh, as as uh, an elder that has. A full time job, for example, um, you know, we as pastors are are privileged in that way that we are paid <laughs> to, to to minister, and and that's a joy and a privilege. But um, you know, not everybody has that, and so trying to think through how to train people best and uh, how to how to do ministry. I think uh, I I've, I've read Whitmer's book on the shepherd leader, and one of the things it talks about which I love that book. It talks about, um, instead of going to visit people, right? The old CRC way used to be uh, house visitation, right? You have to go to every house and you have to do it at least once a year. Uh, well, that's not even going to be enough (laughs) in some ways Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not really discipling a person. If you're, if you're going uh, once a year to their house and they, uh, clean up the living room and give the pastor coffee and brownies. And, uh, so that's, that's not you know you can put on a show and you can uh, you can fake it for a little bit but uh, to do the real discipleship one of the things Whit- Whitmer says is uh, making phone calls like checking in with the people in your care group in, as elders uh, calling them once a month and just saying hey I'm I'm giving you my monthly shepherding call and uh, I just want to see how you're doing and how can how I can pray for you and so discipline shouldn't get to that step of of formal discipline when you're doing that uh, because you are loving them. You're caring for them. It's a, it's a ministry of care.
0: Amen. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think I, I've said this multiple times. I, I was in a church at one point who uh, uh, there was a big kerfuffle there because the elders um, took some disciplinary action against someone and everybody, um, a lot of people in the church were like, yeah, we knew it should have been done, but we just didn't like the way it was handled. And I kept thinking, okay. Um, But what I told the elders was, I don't think it would have been as big of a deal if you would have addressed it a year ago. Um, Because you all knew that this was going on a year ago, and ignored it because everybody didn't want to have the awkward conversation. And then it blew up into something way more severe, where you were forced to to take action. And so, um, but I, I appreciate the word that you you gave about taking your elders alongside with you as as you do um disciplinary action. And I I always have to clarify when I talk about disciplinary action, I'm not always talking about formal like excommunication. I'm talking about um pulling someone aside and saying, that's not how we're gonna act in this church, or or even saying, you know, you said that. Um you should be more careful about that, right? I mean, just small correction, I, I see as, as church discipline. Obviously, if it continues and there's no repentance, then, then it ends up working its way out into, into excommunication. But, but I have been working with my elders, bringing along, bring them alongside me as I do correction um, with certain members of the church. And it's been really good. I've noticed that they have slowly become more comfortable with doing those types of things. Cause they've kind of watched like, Oh, that's how we can do that. And it's not always, it's not always some big massive fight. It's taking somebody aside and saying, man, I really care about you. And this is why I'm talking to you about this because this isn't good for you. It's not good for our church. It's not good for anybody. And so we need to, we need to talk about changing the way you're behaving with this or, um, or doing things a little differently so that it's better for you and and better for the community. And, and then I've had elders say like, Oh, we're able to correct people. And it doesn't turn into this big fight. Like I hate you. You hate me kind of a thing where we can actually walk out and say, all right, this was good. I mean, it's not always received that way. Sometimes you come in with love and somebody says, you know, I just, I just had a message left on our church phone today from someone who did not receive discipline and said we're all a bunch of Pharisaical hypocrites who could go to go to hell. You know, and, oh okay, that was nice. Um, but but a lot of times you can have a really helpful disciplinary conversation with with somebody and uh, it builds them up and it builds the church up and and pulling your elders alongside with you to do that is a way of of discipling them.
1: Yeah. And it helps to have those elders be, behind you when you do that as the pastor, uh, because yeah, that can be uh circumstance too. If you yourself are uh, trying to call somebody out or, or say, Hey, I noticed this about you and I really care about you, but here's a way you could probably have be corrected. But if the elders don't stand by you on that, then uh, that's a, another danger.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And so that's, like the the voicemail I just got this morning, uh, all of the elders were present for that. Uh, and actually, I didn't even say anything. The elders were the ones that that had the conversation and brought the correction of sin. And that's a long story, um, but <laughs> and I'm not going to get into it all. But uh, um, and so they were just letting me know that we got that phone call and wondered if we should do anything more or 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 leave it. But um, but if, if I would have had that conversation all by myself. And then we would have got that voicemail, right? The elders could have said, boy, you really messed up here. You, you know, you should have handled this differently. But now do you have all these other people with you saying, no, we actually handled this really, really gently. Um, And this person is just in a state of a very hard heart and an unteachable spirit. And uh, yeah, because we have some very gentle elders. I'm, I'm definitely the most outspoken and um, and a little brash, maybe sometimes, but the rest of our our elders are pretty soft, gentle guys. And so, uh, when this person's calling them harsh, hypocritical Pharisees, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm praying that their heart is softened and changed, and that they uh, repent, turn back to Christ. So, which is actually a kind of natural segue into the the final question that we ask everybody is uh what types of things do you think need to happen in in the CRC in order for us to see reformation as a as a denomination
1: uh yeah a lot of what we just talked about uh discipleship uh eldership leadership um but i think that uh i think as a denomination we have to be uh we have we have such opportunities right but uh, they can also go so wrong. Um, you think about a lot of leadership positions in the CRC being opened up right now, uh, looking for a new general secretary, uh, looking for other uh, pretty high level positions in different uh, organizations of our denomination. There just seems to be such a, a huge disconnect between what the leadership uh, is is leading and uh, where uh, the churches are. And uh so I think we have to uh very much take um take a, a listening ear to the churches, um go out to the churches and listen and um hopefully have less of a gap there between leadership and um so yeah that's one thing I think um trying to think <laughs> I think just like focusing on the word reforming the preaching and all of those things that we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, amen. Yeah, I mean I I have said it a bunch of times, but really the core of reformation is repentance. Um and I think as a denomination um as a whole and and not just uh you know the progressives, but even us conservatives need to repent of some of what um you know the failures of the past and and we need to turn from that and and start focusing on being faithful, uh, faithful in discipline, faithful in discipleship. And uh, that's, uh, that's really the core of, of reformation, but uh, something you said, uh, I want to jump on quick um, because I think they, I agree with you that there's, there's not a lot of listening going on with the congregations uh, throughout the CRC. And yet they would probably take issue with that. They, they, uh, especially like the general secretary position, right? They're saying we're having listening sessions all over the place, and so we we are listening to the congregations. And yet, when I read what they're listening to, I keep saying that's not what my congregation's saying. And so, um, what what do you think that is? Where, okay, they're saying they're trying to listen, and if we want to be charitable, they are trying to listen to the churches um but those who are speaking in those sessions are not speaking representatively of of most of our congregations
1: yeah it's hard to say how exactly that that works out um i, I don't i don't know if i have the answer but um i think that some people that are in leadership believe that is it it is their mission to lead others uh and bring them along and that that we aren't there, or something like that i don't i don't know exactly how to put it, but um you know one thing i I talk about is I want someone in these leadership positions to be committed to the Bible, committed to the confessions um and also uh i I think they should be questioned on the human sexuality report what's their stance on that? Are they going to be uh in accordance with what historically we've had as a church, the position that we've had, or are we going to be against it? And um, the answer that I got was, well, we, uh, this person for this new position needs to uh, listen to both sides. And uh, and no matter which way Synod goes, they need to uh, still carry out the directives of Synod. But then, yeah, my question to that is, are they going to be doing that naturally or organically or not? Are they going to be doing that according to what they believe personally, or is it going to be against their will? And so I think those are very important questions to ask, and uh, they they need to be asked on that, and uh, hopefully the uh, synod
0: makes the right decision, obviously. Yeah, amen. I'll give you a final word here. Do you have a final word of encouragement or call to action for, we've got pastors and and lay leaders listening to this, uh, this podcast, what what would you want to leave them with at the end here?
1: I'd say just focus on the Word of God as much as you can, uh, and love people in your congregation, love people where they're at in the local church. And um, yeah, sometimes when, when I talk about the denomination, it can sound pretty uh, hopeless or negative or whatever, but uh, but the Lord is still on his throne. He's still the king. Uh, he's not going to be giving that up ever. And so uh, we can have uh, hope that, that he is on his throne. And uh, we know what happens in Revelation. We know what happens in the end. Jesus wins and he saves his church. He died for his church. And that's as good as is done then. And so um, what great hope we have in Christ and in the gospel that he saves his people.
0: That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Dave Bosher. Until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season, and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.